welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Fast Talk, Velo News' training podcast. I'm Kaylee Fretz, senior editor here at Velo News. Across the table, actually next to, as always, our good coach, Trevor Connor. How are you feeling today? Trevor Kelly, I'm feeling pretty sick. <laughs> well, that's perfect, actually, because the topic of today's podcast is actually illness. So I really appreciate that you went the extra mile, Trevor, to illness illnessify yourself. This in- is my commitment to you, the listeners. <laughs> We're doing an episode on staying healthy, so I got myself sick. <laughs> uh, I am sitting as far away from Trevor as I possibly can. Uh, across the table, even farther away from Trevor, is Dr. Jason Glowney, medical director at the CU Sports Medicine Performance Center. You cater to endurance athletes, right? And I okay. hear that you recently were working to get Taylor Finney back on his bike. Is that right? Oh, that was uh, yeah, a while back, uh, myself and Andy Pruitt, and uh, he uh, frequented the facilities for his PT, and uh, yeah, it kind of definitely took a team effort to get him back, but it was great to see him race uh, to the level he did this year in the Tour, so uh, he's a great guy and quite quirky, and he's uh, fun to watch, So, uh, but uh, I'd like to think the whole center played a role in that. Well, we're, we're really excited to have you on here because the topic today, well, it's not exactly the leg injury that uh, Taylor had, but we're talking about health. We're talking about illness. The purpose of this podcast, hopefully at the end of today, you have some idea how to stay healthy, some idea what to do if you get sick. And then, well, a don't little bit, time trial Flagstaff. Don't time trial Flagstaff like Trevor did while ill. Uh, I think he knew that too prior <laughs> to doing this. Uh, and we're, we're actually going to start today with a bit of scientific background into the immune system and the various ways that training really hard, as many of our listeners do, affects the immune system. So Trevor, we want to start with a bit of scientific background here. There's a whole lot of things that happen in your body when you're training really hard. We were discussing this before we turned the recorder on. There's a J-shaped curve, as you put it, uh, in terms of how much someone is training or how much athletes are training and the, and the relationship to getting ill. So a little bit of training seems to sort of help the immune system, right? But a lot of training doesn't. We see elite, elite athletes getting sick more than the general population. Why is that? First thing we can start with is just why is the immune system important? Kind of as athletes, cyclists, uh, and uh, other endurance uh, sport activities, you need the immune system for kind of repair processes in the muscles. Uh, so after a workout, you know, it's the immune system that plays a big role with uh, getting muscles to recover, uh, getting tendons, ligaments to heal up and uh, things of that sort. In terms of um, exercise and the effects it has on the immune system, uh, you're right when you say that uh, light exercise seems to boost immunity. It seems like uh, in studies, there's a decreased risk of cancer, especially colon cancer, breast cancer in athletes who exercise mild to moderately. They have done some studies looking at athletes who are uh, doing excessive volume, say on the bike, or excessive intensities, uh, and they do uh, notice um, decreases in uh, immune responses in some ways. That comes in the uh, form and fashion of uh, decreased uh, lymphocytes, decreased uh, natural killer cells, but also in uh, decreased uh, secreted antibodies, especially in the uh, upper respiratory tract, in particular IgA. Uh, So IgA is an immunoglobulin that's uh, supposed to fight off viruses, bacteria coming in the uh, respiratory tract. So uh, they notice after intense exercise, uh, some elite cyclists are more prone to upper respiratory tract infections. Mm. Thought being that it is the IgA and the decreased amount of that had um, to do with the, uh, the exercise itself. You look back at some of the science and as to why does this happen. Uh, some theories are that, um, yeah, you exercise hard, you have damaged muscles, there needs to be uh, repetitive processes that go on in these. And so you might um, lose some of the cells um, that are lymphocytes that are important for immune system uh, by just doing all these repairs. Mm. Other thoughts are um, increased risk mm-hmm. of you know, high levels of cortisol in response to exercise. So we do know that corticosteroids are a depressant to immune system function as well. So uh, that might play a role also with why this happens. To be good, you got to do those hard efforts in those long days, though. So uh, you got to strike that balance. Uh, that's kind of what we uh, say to our patients here. So you ain't going to be riding the Tour de France if you're just uh, taking these easy strolls on the bike path. So, uh, yeah, you got to kind of put in the time and the effort. 
and uh, probably one of the more important things is recovery. So uh, what are you doing off the bike? And that plays the biggest role. I want to step back a little bit to something that you said right at the, at the beginning there. We're going to get into later uh, some of the other reasons why well, for example, why we why we always see Grand Tour riders get sick in the last week. I think mm-hmm. we we just got a few hints yeah. uh, in what you were just saying. But I want to step back to the immune system and its role in recovery because sure. I think that most people, if you if you don't have a scientific background like myself, I think of the immune system as something that just fights illness. Mm-hmm. I was not actually aware before about half an hour ago that the immune system has a large role in recovery from athletic effort. Can, can you guys just talk about that a little bit and, and explain how exactly that works, what some of the processes are? Right. So, I mean, inflammation is, can be a very good thing. And this is why there's other research out there showing that one, one of the worst things you can do after exercising is take all these anti-inflammatories because you're, you're essentially preventing the immune system from being able to, to do re- the repair work to the muscles that you want. When you have inflammation just in the muscle, and we're not talking about a, a one-hour easy spin. We're talking about a, a long, hard, you're, you're crawling through the door type ride. You're going to get a lot of inflammation in your muscles, and that's a good thing. The issue, um, and so I, be, before this, read some really interesting studies on what's called systemic inflammatory response syndrome, or SIRS, that can be caused by exercise, and it's also a syndrome that's caused by, by sepsis. Which, which is really bad. Which is a really bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want sepsis. You don't want <laughs> sepsis. So the issue is you want the local inflammation at the, the muscle level. But you don't want that inflammation to go throughout your body, which is that, that systemic inflammatory response. Mm. So what you actually see happen is your body starts releasing what are called cytokines, but it releases anti-inflammatory cytokines, which uh, I know I'm going down a rabbit hole, but we're talking about your IL-2, IL-4, IL-10, which basically tell your immune system to shut down. So it's not that your immune system gets weak because you're exercising. It's actually that your body's saying, I don't want this systemic response. Um, I just want you to work locally. So I'm going to actually make your, your immune system. I, uh, so the word is suppress. I'm going to suppress your immune system. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, like Trevor was alluding to, uh, some of the anti-inflammatories can stop that process of, uh, of repair that you want to actually have happen. And uh, in particular, looking at antioxidants um, to combat free radicals, uh, taking too much of them can actually blunt your uh, response to the training, meaning um, your uh, recovery and then hopefully your improvement and your uh, fitness gain. So that's something that um, uh, we need to be careful about. Yeah, just for the immune system and the repair process that happens, uh, happens in the muscles. It's neutrophils that are going in there. They're cleaning up uh, things. They're laying down uh, new tissues to, to repair things. And uh, you don't want to short circuit that. Historically, inf- inflammation got this really bad um, reputation. And uh, now we know quite a bit better. This is a little bit of a segue, but um, we're now using the immune system to heal tissues. So uh, sometimes we might see um, uh, cyclists who come in with uh, patellofemoral pain or one of these knee pains, Achilles pain. We're actually using their own blood cells and uh, harvesting platelets and growth factors and injecting them back in right into tissues to try to elicit that um, inflammation response. So I actually read the, this really interesting study. It was from 2007. It was published in Medicine and Science and Sports and Exercise. And as usual, we'll put all our references up on the, the Vela News website. And this was a study of upper respiratory tract infections in elite athletes. And they were really taking athletes that were pushing overreach, even overtraining, um, and, and looking at um, the incidence of uh, upper respiratory tract infections in them versus controls. And they certainly had much more frequent incidence of uh, the infections. But what was really interesting about the study is that for only about 30% of those infections could they actually find a pathogen. Mm-hmm. One of their theories is going back to this systemic inflammation that basically these athletes are pushing them, themselves so hard and constantly causing this systemic inflammation from all their training that actually it's, it's causing the symptoms of being sick without actually being sick, hmm. that they've so activated the, the immune system, they feel sick. And that's potentially one of the reasons you're seeing elite athletes, especially when they're starting to overtrain, get sick much more frequently. 
Because they may not actually be sick. They might just be overactivating the immune system. For reasons unknown, like uh, overtraining sometimes presents a sore throat. And uh, as to why it does, uh, yeah, that's kind of a little bit unclear. But, uh, yeah, they might not culture any virus that really kind of explains it. I think the other thing, too, is like real hard efforts. Uh, yeah, you can sear your uh, your respiratory lining. You get uh, all these mast cells activated. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between that and a true URI. So, uh with a lot of the, the people, when they look at that, I don't think they cultured for viruses. And many of the studies that they did before, maybe that one did, though. So uh, that's yeah, kind of uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, another potential factor. So when we talked about sepsis, and one of the other studies that I read said that actually um, endurance exercise, so systemic inflammation from endurance exercise should be classified um, under the same category as sepsis. They went that far. Hmm. Um, sepsis is caused by something called endotoxemia, which is basically a lot of the, the bacteria and the bad things in your gut actually get past the, the barrier of, of your digestive lining and get into your system and cause an immune response. You don't want that. In particular, that upregulates something called um, lipopolysaccharid, which is LPS, which sparks an immune response. Endurance exercise, a lot of research, a lot of studies on this showing that um, when you do heavy endurance exercise, especially in the heat, you cause what's basically called leaky gut. You open up the tight junctions in your gut, and that allows a lot of, allows basically the same thing as endotoxemia. It allows uh, this bacteria and the LPS to get into your system and, again, spark a, a, an immune response. You know, sometimes even when you defecate, you're going to have this uh, transient bacteremia where uh, you stretch out the rectum and things uh, kind of get into the bloodstream. Uh, you know, the, the listeners should note that the, uh, the gut is uh, chock full of bacteria, both good and bad. And there's a protective barrier, which is the uh, mucosal lining along the, the GI tract that uh, protects the blood, uh, you know, from those things. With uh, hard efforts, yeah, the thought is, is there transient um, low blood flow to the gut? where um, uh, kind of blood is diverted to working muscles to, to kind of feed them, in addition to potential uh, plasma volume losses from um, dehydration and things of that sort, uh, all leads to this uh, transient ischemia in the gut and causes uh, increased permeability and uh, kind of those bacteria getting into the bloodstream as well as the LPS and, and things of that sort that uh, definitely will cause like a, a, yeah, an immune response in a bad way. So, um, you know, kind of this um, sepsis or this uh, sepsis type uh, phenomenon, blood pressure goes down and you need to be able to uh, maintain blood flow to different tissues and can be a whole uh, storm of things that you don't want ha to have happen. And usually with exercise, uh, yeah, you recover from it. Uh, true sepsis, uh, when you have someone in the ICU who's uh, you know, had an infection somewhere that's uh, gone systemic, it's not a good thing. It's, uh, it is uh, pretty interesting that there is this parallel between exercise and what can happen in uh, a really sick patient. So if I understand this correctly, and I think I do, that was a whole lot of science in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, so the long story very short here is that training really hard is not necessarily good for immune system. So the next thing we want to talk about are, are some sort of some solid takeaways, what people can actually do about this, uh, given the fact that if you were training hard, your immune system is probably not as, as useful or as strong as it should be uh, in terms of keeping you healthy. What can people do to not get sick? So, uh, you know, one thought, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, common knowledge. Yeah, wash your hands. Um, try not to uh, be around people that are sick, especially if you have an important race or competition that's coming up. That's pretty simple stuff to do. Um, it's, As uh, we sit in a room with a sick guy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's of immunosuppression. Try not coughing for an hour when you're sick. So two days later, I'm going to call the show and be like, what's going on? I think I got Trevor's illness. Um, it's, it's the stuff that you do off the bike that's really important. You know, Trevor, as a coach, knows this well, too. It's, it's what your coach lays out for you. So there should be hard efforts. They, they should be hard enough to get the fitness that you need, but you need those easy days where uh, you have uh, time to, uh, to recover. So that's uh, basically geared towards uh, sleeping appropriately, uh, getting enough sleep, hydrating, uh, making sure that you have a sound diet. And that's probably one of the more important things that you can, uh, that you can do. So uh, kind of whole foods, we always kind of push those. You know, supplements, um, some of them maybe have some potential, but um, a lot of the, uh, the really big studies with, that are high-powered, you know, don't really see much uh, improvement after supplementation for immune system with the exception of uh, potentially vitamin E. 
and maybe vitamin C. And like I alluded to before on a point, you know, that might help to stop some of the free radical damage that, um, you know, is inherent in some of the cells in the immune system. And that also uh, you know, plays a role in uh, what's your job like? Are you stressed? If you're always under stress, uh, you're going to have these uh, cortisol releases that will suppress your immune system as well. So sometimes, uh, you know, you compare yourself to someone who doesn't work, it seems. That's pretty common here in Boulder. All they do is ride their bike, and maybe they have a trust fund. But meanwhile, you got to go to work and work 50 hours a week and try to train and beat this guy out on the roads. Yeah, you, you got the card stacked against you in that way. So you need to realize that. And uh, it's kind of how you react to stress, too, if, if that's at all possible, where uh, you just kind of need to have a, a relaxed attitude about things and uh, don't let them affect you. But uh yeah, it's kind of uh, what you do off the bike that probably plays the biggest role with staying healthy. You mentioned earlier that actually feeding and nutrition on the bike is relevant as well, because I'm assuming that that you know if, if you're if you're if you're paying attention to your nutrition on the bike, you're not digging as deep a hole, right? So exactly, is that is that I mean, can that literally eating well on the bike can that keep you healthy? I think so. If you think about um, if you're in a starved response on the bike, um, that's a stressor to uh, the immune system and uh, hormonal balance that uh, that actually occurs as a result of that. So it's actually what are you doing on the bike and uh, treating the bike as the rolling buffet where you got to take in calories. And we do know that calorie intake helps to maybe blunt some of the uh, corticosteroid response or uh, cortisol response to exercise. And if you're uh, riding on fumes, that's uh, probably definitely enhanced and uh, can probably lead to uh, more of this immune suppression that we might see. Yeah, if you're uh, feeding, having enough carbohydrates, that's probably what you can ingest uh, most easily. Yeah, it makes sense to uh, to kind of do that on the bike just to blunt that cortisol response that can be detrimental to the immune system. And there has been some research that's actually showing that if you maintain your plasma glucose levels, uh, that attenuates the uh, cortisol, IL-6, IL-1R, IL-10. It basically prevents a lot of this uh, immunosuppression. And maintaining your plasma glucose levels means eating food, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Continually. Yeah. Continually so, eating uh, food. That's, listeners, that, yeah. Listeners. That's the thing that people with diabetes are paying to pay, paying attention to, correct? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cyclists, by and large, any endurance athletes, the risk of uh, non-purging bulimia, that means uh, you ate a big meal and you want to go ride five hours and burn it off and not eat anything that day, that's not good for your immune system. Ah, uh, the coffee ride. <laughs> <laughs> Have a cup of coffee, go for a six-hour ride. I mean, the, the funny thing about a lot of these things to me is it is, you know, it's not rocket science, right? Like yeah. some of the things you guys are discussing in terms of what's happening inside your body might as well be rocket science to me. But the things that you can do to stay healthy are not. They're things that, that coaches have been saying to do forever, basically. It's which yeah. is treat yourself well on and off the bike. Uh, you know, wash your hands, make sure that you're not hanging out with sick people. Is there anything else in particular that people should be really paying attention to? I mean, if you're in a stage race, for example, and granted, a lot of amateurs are not doing super long stage races, but if you're doing Haute Route, you know, or, or if you're doing uh, the Green Mountain Stage Race, which is just a couple days at the end of the season here, what can people do to make sure they're not getting sick in days <laughs> three and four of those? A couple things I'll add that will answer both that question and in general, because I think you did a fantastic job. Thank you. That was all great advice. One, you know, one of my pet peeves, if you go and do a long, hard ride or you're in Haute Route and you're, you're killing yourself each day, you've seen me cringe when right afterwards everybody goes to the coffee shop. Because here you now have a compromised immune system. Let's go in a place where you're probably going to have a whole bunch of sick people, and I don't mean to be gross, but sharing their germs all over the place. You want to get sick? That's what you do. So I'm a big believer in if you've done, and I'm not talking again about a one-hour recovery ride. I'm talking about that fatiguing ride where you know there's going to be some immunosuppression. Be a bit of a monk. Keep away from people that are sick. Don't put your pl yourself in places where you can be sick. How long is the immunosuppression window? So you know you get your six hour ride, you're wasted at the end. How long? I mean, how long until you're sort of back up to normal? How long do you have to be careful for? I think on the cycling, uh, hopefully it's a non-impact sport and you're not crashing. Uh, but you, usually, uh, kind of the studies show it's probably three or four days with really hard efforts um, that uh, there is some immun uh, immunosuppression. That's the amount of time it takes to sometimes renormalize lymphocyte counts if uh, they were to do a blood test to look for that. So it is a little bit uh, of some time. And then uh, what Trevor's saying, too, uh, it's just uh, compounded and worsened by the fact that you're doing that one day and then the next day you're doing it again and again and again. And the listeners will look in the tour and then they'll see, uh, 
you know, someone just flying up the mountain and then attacking and looking great. And the next day they're off the back. Fabio Aru. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So can't set up and stay yeah. in the front at the sprint. But uh, yeah, so th- that happens too. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's only so much you can do. But when you're going at it day after day um, in succession, that's when you're going to kind of uh, open up that risk for um, bad uh immune response, you know, but yeah, with, uh, with your typical run of the mill hard ride, yeah, it might be three or four days and that could be like a hundred mile or where, yeah, you're doing a lot of, uh, burning a lot of matches out there, doing a lot of, uh, threshold stuff. Um, it might take a little while. Yeah. Another little one that'll add, but I, this one I've actually, it saved me a few times. And I still remember Altoona 2007. I was on a squad. We had this young kid who was doing his first big stage race and about three, four days into the race, he was dying. And he was telling me his stomach was killing him. Um, he was starting to feel a little sick. Um, and he just didn't think he could go on. And he still thinks I'm some sort of witch doctor because I went, well, just hold on. And I went to the store. I bought some L-glutamine, brought it back, said, wolf this down. Just take this down. And and he took a couple doses through the day. And the next day he woke up, woke up and was like, I'm feeling good. And it... Is a little cheesy, but it's actually, to me, a, an important one or a good one. Sorry, you have to deal with my sick talk today uh, where I, I lose my train of thought. But um, we have more L-glutamine in our body than any other amino acid. L-glutamine is the primary fuel and I think the only fuel of our immune system and the primary fuel of our digestive system. When you are going out doing a long, fatiguing ride and you start to deplete your blood glucose, you start depleting your glycogen, your body's going to look for alternate fuel uh, sources. And the first one it will go to is L-glutamine. If you start depleting your L-glutamine, all of a sudden your immune system in your gut doesn't have the fuel that it needs. So if you take L-glutamine every day, you're wasting a lot of money. But if you're at something like Hote Root where you're doing long, hard days every day, you're probably going to be depleting that on top of your carbohydrate stores and a lot of your other nutrients. And supplementation at that point can help you and help keep your immune system a a little stronger. I I guess I have one more question for Mm -hmm. you, which goes back to the vitamin C, vitamin E thing. I mean, that's what we've always been told is that you just, you know, cover yourself in vitamin C, dive in a pool of vitamin C. Uh, Is that hocus pocus or is there is there something maybe to that and then also the the vitamin e that you were talking about i mean are these things that athletes should just be taking all the time just in case or something you take if you get sick or what's the story behind those two there's been a lot of debate about supplements and their effects and whether they're beneficial or not some further research looking at um, free radicals which are uh, created in the mitochondria during exercise those have, um, they're quite destructive to cell membranes, and uh, those can be released. They affect tissue locally, but they also affect um, immune cells as well. So, uh, you know, they have done some studies with some um, athletes who are taking uh, smaller doses of vitamin E on the, on the range of about 800 international units that shows that a lot of the immune <laughs> function can be restored in a small dose like that. Um, it was um, popular uh, back maybe 10 years ago where some people were taking um, uh, mega doses of vitamin C, and that caused some alarm after they studied it, and they showed that, uh, yeah, some uh, elite cyclists weren't making fitness gains after taking those big doses. A couple of the things that, that are at issue is the purity of the supplements that you're supposed to be getting. And uh, I think that's something uh, definitely a cyclist has to be careful about, especially if they might be prone to being tested if they're racing or one of those. There is discrepancy between um, what's on the label and what's actually in there. So that's one thing that you need to kind of keep in mind. Um, in terms of uh, antioxidants, you do need them. Uh, I've done some testing on uh, many athletes, and uh, some come back kind of low in vitamin C. Vitamin C in its own right is important for uh, <laughs> collagen synthesis and recovery in that manner. But yeah, just some of the studies looking at the immunology of exercise and the effects, um, vitamin E and vitamin C maybe are, are two of the uh, supplements that play a role with uh with some immune system recovery. So they notice uh, individuals that take that, um, their lymphocyte levels rebound a little bit quicker. Um, It's pretty common practice when we do blood tests on athletes, especially in Boulder. Everyone's on this borderline kind of lymphopenic uh, levels when we do a complete blood count or CBC. So that's kind of par for the course. And if you ask them when they come back like that, yeah, they're training hard. They're training all week. Meaning uh, they're kind of on the edge of being in trouble? It's almost par for the course in that way. And so uh, the thought is, 
well, they're not really immune suppressed in, in that matter. It's just that the immune cells are somewhere outside of the, uh, of the blood or the circulating blood doing some work to recover in, 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 most, uh, in most theories that have been proposed on that. So when I was at CSU, we had a professor there who um, he was actually studying vitamin C and, and his area of research was, was antioxidants. I believe it was antioxidants. Well, he was, that was part of it because his research was really aging. But he showed me a whole bunch of stuff on vitamin C. And so this, this is a little bit of opinion here. But a lot of the research about the health benefits of vitamin C and how it fights off bugs comes from Linus Pauling. And basically, Linus Pauling studies, they've never been able to reproduce them. There is some implication there that that's because his numbers were fudged. <laughs> um, that's quite common, by the way. Which is quite common. So, uh, so a lot of that just isn't panning out. Um, a bigger issue with vitamin C that is coming out in, in current research is vitamin C um, is a powerful antioxidant, but when you consume too much, it can actually become a very powerful oxidant. And there has been some research showing that it will actually hurt training. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, just to add, yeah, the doses should be quite small, 500 to 1,000 milligrams, where some of the people like a decade ago were taking 10,000 milligrams, especially in like bodybuilding circles where they thought that was good for them. But uh, <laughs> kind of moderation is usually the way to go with almost anything that comes out in medicine or sports. And uh, yeah, people take it to the extreme and uh, yeah, sometimes they suffer. But I think, you know, as long as you're, as long as you're in moderation, vitamin C is probably not going to hurt you. Yeah. Uh, again, it be be super careful if you're in a, in an anti-doping testing pool, sure. uh, as you should be with absolutely any supplement. But probably not going to you know, even though there's some question as to whether it's as to its efficacy, uh, probably not going to do too much damage, right? Yeah, we probably always suggest if you can get it in a food source, it's a better way to go about it. So- not going to get any weird substances, anti-doping substances, in orange juice, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the ones that I would rec- that I recommend to my athletes. I'm very interested in hearing your opinion on this, but I've certainly read research saying that they can help both prevent illness and shorten the length of illness. Is uh, vitamin D and zinc? Sure, sure. Yeah, those are two big ones. And uh, there was a recently article I think it was saw on, online today that uh, looked at uh, supplements and what ones might have benefit. And uh, vitamin D and zinc are both on that. Vitamin D is important for uh, you know several different uh, enzymatic reactions in the body, probably thousands. As cyclists and uh, endurance athletes, in particular, they're involved in fast twitch uh, muscle fiber health. So that's definitely a plus for that. Knowing cyclists are uh, maybe prone to um, um, loss of uh, bone density, um, you know, just uh, vitamin D in its role and uh, bone health is important as well, but also for the immune system and uh, and its uh, benefits there. Looking by and large at uh, deficiencies um, in Americans, uh, zinc is uh, one of the top ones that we tend to be deficient in. Magnesium's up there too, and uh, whether that's from uh, depleted soils that, uh, that we farm with, uh, maybe that plays a role with some of those. But uh, yeah, zinc is definitely an important uh, booster for immune, uh, the immune system. So uh, yeah, Trevor's right when he says that those two are probably the more important ones that you can take that maybe have a purported benefit. But again, probably better to get them from food if you can. If you can, yeah. Vitamin D, really one of the few food sources is mushrooms, and yeah. it's hard to get enough. So you actually have to supplement. It's best getting it from the sun. It's actually a misnomer to call vitamin D a vitamin. It's really a hormone. Yeah. that we produce, but we only produce enough when you're, you get a lot of sun exposure. So yeah, another thing with that too is um, just looking at overall health. Uh, nowadays, everyone puts sunscreen on. Uh, maybe up, up here in Boulder at altitude, the sun's a little harsher and it makes sense if you had a skin cancer, but uh, the effects of sunshine include vitamin D synthesis, uh, but also uh, probably there's um, some effect on the uh, circulatory system where it helps in vascular health, meaning vasodilation, uh, things of that nature. And uh, some studies came out a couple of years ago looking at smokers in Europe who sunbathed versus those who didn't. The ones who were smokers and sunbathed lived just as long as these uh, really healthy people. So they attributed that to the effects of uh, the sunshine and UVB radiation in particular that it had on uh, just the body at large. So there's vitamin D in that and that factor too that uh, seems to play a role with uh, with health overall. Be careful of skin cancer, but uh, get a little bit of sunshine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> don't get burnt. Don't fry yourself. Uh, don't pass out in the lawn chair. But uh, everything yeah. in moderation. Exactly. Everything in moderation. Okay. Let's let's move on a little bit. So we've we've talked about a whole bunch of different things that that athletes can do 
to avoid getting sick. What about when you get sick? Because this happens to everybody. I mean, this is, if you look back, even just over the last couple Tours de France, the overall, the top five overall in the Tour de France, every single year is affected by illness. Somebody got sick. This year, Fabio Aru, Chris Froome's been sick before, even when he won the race. Uh, Quintana's gotten sick in the last week. This happens to even athletes at the very, very top of the sport who are being taken care of very, very carefully. What do you do once you get sick? Mind you, what you're seeing at the tour might go back to what we were talking about before, which is just that systemic inflammation. They might not actually be sick, as in they're fighting off a virus. It might just be by the end of the tour, they, they have such an activated immune system, they feel sick. Regardless, they're sick. Yeah, <laughs> or feel sick. Yeah. Regardless, they're slowing down. So let's just assume that, they, that, they have a, 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 that you have some sort of virus. What do you do when you get ill to get better quickly? So Dr. Glowney will be able to answer this whole question much better than me, but there is one thing I want to quickly just throw in uh, that I've learned over the years, both with myself and my athletes. If you are ever going out for a ride and use a heart rate monitor and you look down and you see this really high heart rate and you say, I'm just not going that hard. It shouldn't be that high. And you can't come up with other explanations. Like if it's 110 degrees out and you're dehydrated, yes, you're going to have a high heart rate. But there's just no other explanation. You see this weird, my heart rate is just way up there. That happens quite frequently a couple days before you become symptomatic when you have a virus. So if you see that, it's an early warning sign. Don't ignore it. Get some rest. Maybe think about skipping the intervals the next day, and you might be able to prevent it sometimes. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Uh, in terms of, uh, say, you've done everything right and you still got sick, you know, I, I guess we kind of characterize it by, um, you know, what is the illness? And, uh, you know, the two things that I talk to patients about is, uh, are you febrile, meaning that you have a fever? So uh, I think when you're in uh, that situation, it probably makes sense to rest and, uh, you know, take time off until you're afebrile. And then we usually say 24 hours of being afebrile, then you can kind of get back out on the bike and do some training. The other thing is, is it just um, um, kind of isolated to the upper respiratory tract, meaning sinuses, uh, maybe a little sore throat, those things. Um, you know, it's probably okay to ride. Uh, usually say that uh, you want to ride easier, though. So um, like we said when we talked about before, mild to moderate exercise seems to be an immune system booster. So uh, that's what you want to ride in. That's not the time to do intervals like Trevor said. So um, if anything, you're just going to do shitty intervals, and then you're going to feel worse after it. So <laughs> don't do that. Um, so... But if the uh, infection seems to be in the lungs, uh, that's kind of a sign that, uh, yeah, it's probably time to maybe go see your doctor and uh, make sure that you don't have a pneumonia. That's something that you don't want to try to ride through. In addition to that, if it's just URI, what are the things that you can do to get better? Uh, yeah, it's just eat, sleep, um, nutrition. That's not the time to get worried about your weight and not eat anything. You definitely need uh, listen to your grandma. Yeah, you need to feed a cold in that way. And it seems to uh, make some sense in terms of uh, yeah having the circulating glucose uh, in your bloodstream. It's uh, definitely a benefit for you. I also remember all those cytokines that we were talking about. They are just proteins. And your body's trying to produce a lot of them. So the, when you are sick or getting sick, that's when you need to make sure you're getting a lot of good quality protein in your diet. So this would actually be a good time to hear from Brent Bookwalter, who talked a lot about what he does when he gets sick. And one of the things I, I really hope you get from this is here is a guy that has done grand tours. He is a tough rider. And when he gets sick, he doesn't try to be tough. You will see. He is all about... Let's get healthy. I'm off the bike until I feel good. And then I'm off the bike a little longer. And then I go out and train. So if you're thinking, I'm tough, I'm just going to push through being sick, listen to what he has to say. It's probably inevitable that you are going to get sick at some point. Um, so you've got to be able to deal with it well and, and have the confidence and patience and the, the system in place to, to know that you can get through it. So some things do happen. Um, you get sick, get a cold or... I struggle in the spring with allergies and then bronchitis. Then it's just a, a matter of managing it and letting it run its course and giving your body everything it needs to to fight off what it's dealing with. And I'd say the biggest things are uh, sleep, diet, and and just low stress. Um, and if possible, you know, a little bit of a a little bit of um, gentle gentle exercise. But I think it's really important to when you do get sick to 
acknowledge it, accept it, and understand that the the quicker you get healthy, you know, the better you're going to be down the road. If you if you try to push through your training block or you push through another race or two, um, you're just prolonging it. You're you're just competing and training compromised, and then you're just going to be compromised for a longer period of time. So I think recognizing it and then um, you know setting a plan of action out as far as I'm going to try to get this much sleep and I'm going to force myself to stay on the couch this much and I'm going to be, be real meticulous with my diet, you know, eating good food, not too much sugar, staying hydrated, and uh, just doing those simple fundamental things which will give your body the best chance to bounce back. So how do you know when to be back on the bike? Uh, generally, uh, well, I definitely, definitely rely heavily on my coach and my doctor if and when I do get sick uh, because... I think as athletes, you know, we're all, we're all pretty ambitious and we're, we're probably ready to jump back into it probably a little before, before we should. So I think it's important to have, a, you know, a support network, whether it's your, your wife or your husband or your roommate, um, as well as a coach, um, and then obviously a doctor to kind of monitor, help you monitor your progress and, and to be honest with the steps that you made. You can, you can pretend you're getting better, but, if you're up all night coughing, no matter how good you feel in the morning, you're, you're clearly not healthy. So it's not time to dive back into training quite yet. You know, generally, I think when the, when I'm when I'm sleeping good, when my energy levels have returned, when I feel generally healthy, uh, I think uh, the first day that happens, not, you're not quite ready to jump back into it. I'm always in favor of taking one more day, have a full day where you feel good, you feel healthy, you ride a little and you come back feeling like you could definitely do more, um, that's a good sign. So you get one or two of those days under your belt, and then, you know, a day or two later, I think then you're ready to dive back in. It's a good conservative approach. Yeah, it's uh, being too aggressive with it has definitely blown up in my face uh, time and again before. So if, if experience has taught me one thing, it's to, to be conservative and to try to be patient, which is so much easier said than done. But uh, in the long run, I think, you know, patience and uh, a little bit of a conservative conservative approach there is always rewarded with, with better performance and a quicker return to real quality training and racing. It's so important to have a coach or a trainer and someone that can provide a perspective on, on that kind of thing because, like I said, we're all, we're all just chomping at the bit. And, yeah, whether if you've been puking or – for 24 hours or coughing for four days, you, you still have that that drive and you to get back out there and you feel like you're, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. But the absolute worst thing you can do is come back, try to push it too soon, and then you lose another three days because you, you uh, did too much too soon. So it sounds like you were talking a bit about, um, I hear athletes all the time say, above the, above the neck or below the neck. So is that what you were getting at, and, and what does that mean? Exactly. So uh, above the neck means uh, it's uh, upper, ter- upper respiratory tract infection, uh, meaning throat, sinuses, uh, that's above the neck. And then below the neck means it's uh, kind of situated itself in the lungs. So if you're coughing um, up um, a sputum that looks green, yellow, those things, uh, you know, that's kind of a, an, a more ominous sign about your illness. And uh, that's one that you want to probably t- uh, pay more attention to um, and heed that one. So that's the time to take rest. I like how all the things, the names for phlegm are all really gross. Phlegm is gross. Sputum is, gl- gross. is really gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost onomatopoetic or whatever that is for physicality. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my, my own little word tangent there. Uh, Trevor, what else do we have to talk about today? Uh, did we cover fever? Fever. So um, my thoughts on fever, too. Um, a fever that's too high, that can definitely be dangerous. So uh, getting up to 104, 105, yeah, that's not good. But uh, a febrile response is actually the immune system um, increasing temperature to actually fight infection. So usually if your fever's um, 101, 101.5, I usually say ride it out, and that's typically what I'll do, too. You might feel a little bit more uncomfortable, but I think it's um, going to... Uh, make the body more effective and the immune system more effective at fighting the infection. It's always in this day and age with medicine, everyone wants some comfort. 
Um, but there's reasons why the body does certain things. And, uh, you know, many times it's for a reason. So you mean uh, allow, essentially allow the fever to ride it out unless you're, unless you're really, really sick. Um, yeah, that's a different story. Those higher temperatures, bacteria, and, um, you know, some viruses uh, have certain set points that they are more virulent with. And, uh, yeah, just the increase in temperature is a good thing. The other thing the body does too with infection, um, is it uh, hampers the absorption of iron. So a lot of bacteria that are uh, pathogenic use iron and the um, oxidative stresses that they can create to uh, make themselves more dangerous and more potent. So uh, it's uh, not the time to be eating steaks and uh, taking your iron supplements, uh, some might say. Um, So that's another thing to to consider. So Brett talked a bit in our interview about the challenges of flying and trying to stay healthy. Granted, most of us aren't flying to bike races, but we do travel for work and for vacations. So this is a challenge for us. Brett had some interesting advice that might be a little different from what you would think. So let's hear what he had to say. Uh, when I'm traveling, the biggest thing is just diligence. It's a little bit like a you know a race or a training session. Like when I when you go into a big travel day or a big travel period, you kind of have to have your travel head screwed on and, and be attentive and and to be to be on the lookout for those people who are coughing all over the place. And to know you can't accidentally be walking through an airport and then rubbing your eyes, to know that you have to be washing your hands before you're eating and have the hand sanitizer with you and uh, just really be, be diligent in all, the, in all those aspects and not, not, uh, not slip up. Again, it's a little bit of a balance. You can't, you can't isolate yourself. It's inevitable that you're going to come in contact with other people and, and um, germs and um, at the end of the day are... We have to have a little bit of faith in our immune system, too. And also, uh, not going into travel, if you can prevent it, to run down. Like, one thing I always try to do before a big trip or an international flight is to kind of taper my training down so my immune system isn't too compromised and I'm not, I'm not totally, you know, blown out and, uh, physically at my wits end going into the travel day because Although it might feel good, really good to do a couple big blowout rides before your long, long couple of travel days, your body is busy and uh, devoting energy to rebuilding itself, and then uh, you're not going to have the same immune response if you do encounter something. I struggle with that because if I know I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to have a, a 12-hour travel day, and then I'm going to have jet lag, and I'm, you know, I'm basically going to lose two or three days of training. What I really want to do is I want to go out the last three days I'm here and just smash it and get it out of my system. And But I'm not so uh, high, strong, and uptight on the flight and the travel and dealing with the jet lag. I've kind of earned my, my downtime. But, uh, you know, travel stressful. Travel days are usually not rest days. They're, uh, they're a whole different kind of stress, and it's important to, to plan for those accordingly and I think build them into your training. So my first question is, what are things that you can do to prevent getting sick when when you're traveling? Sure. What I'm aware of, uh, yeah, it's kind of hygiene. Um, and if you are exposed to maybe some pathogenic um, bacteria or viruses, um, you don't want to keep rubbing your eyes and rubbing your nose and rubbing, uh, you know, spots that it can uh, gain entry into your body. You know, in terms of um, like these uh, supplements that are purported to help you not get sick, uh, probably all bullshit. Um, so the one thing that I know that might work while you're on the plane, turn on your, uh, your blower and that's going to blow all the viruses away from you. Give them to someone else. Um, so, uh, that's probably what you can do. Obviously with travel, on um, planes, it is a stressor. Sometimes you lose sleep. My advice is to kind of have a sleep routine and, uh, you see a lot of the pro cyclists, they're, they're pretty good about it. Whether they take an Ambien or one of these things to get them through the plane, um, just to get some sleep when they arrive on the other side of the pond, you know, sometimes they, they do do that. But, uh, yeah, sleep hygiene, practicing it, seeing what works for you, uh, knowing what you need to bring to make that happen. If you need a neck pillow on the plane or one of these things, uh, that's the time to do it. As someone who flies a lot, I just, uh, I carry one of those little bottles of disinfectant goo and I use it religiously. And it's not something that I ever, ever, ever use when I'm at home. But when I, when I travel, when I fly, I am dousing my hands in that and washing my hands every single time I head to the bathroom. Uh, usually two or three times <laughs> and trying to clean myself as much as possible. For me, it's always been hygiene. Um, you know, I don't fly. Actually, I might fly more than some pro cyclists. I just don't necessarily have to perform on the other end. Still suck, sucks getting sick. And that's, that's always been what worked for me is just dousing myself in antibacterial 
fluids <laughs> or anti whatever that stuff's called with the uh yeah disinfectant <laughs> so my next question for you um i think of my brother who is a cyclist and, and i coach him and he has five kids um and he had a while there where his kids were bringing so many bugs back from school now i put together his yearly training plan where normally with most athletes you, you build these blocks to a fatigue and then you rest i'm like Okay, so here's our two weeks of training, and then you're probably going to be sick this week. Yeah. So we'll rest there, and then here's another couple of weeks, and then you're going to be sick that week. And he would just he couldn't go a month without getting sick. So what about people who have kids and are trying to train? That's, that's the toughest question you could probably ask me. <laughs> you know, my thoughts are um, there's no way you're going to totally avoid all those bacteria and, the, and those pathogens that might uh, that want to take hold in your bodies. You know, the best thing you can do is have a good defense, and that means uh, trying to get your rest. Now, if you have a newborn, that's, a, that's a easier said than done and in some ways if they're keeping you up all night. Yeah, once again, it's the sleep. It, it's the uh, food that you eat, you know, the proteins that you have, and the, the quality of, of all those things that you do. That'll hopefully prevent things from taking hold. But yeah, that's the time maybe if you you do have a race come up, if a kid's sick, yeah, maybe you have your significant other um, take some responsibilities for the kids at that point just to kind of keep yourself a safe distance away uh, and also use just like hand hygiene and, uh, and things, uh, things of that nature. And if you're really type A, maybe you need to get a hotel room somewhere else <laughs> in a couple of days before your, your big event. Yeah, it's always uh, best to have a, a good defense um, where you can fight something off. Even if it takes a little hold, you can knock it out quickly. I was kind of always under that impression with uh, working in the ER as an ER resident and working in internal med with all these sick people. Yeah, I didn't stress about it. I just touched them and, and did all these things. But I went home and, yeah, I was, uh, I was pounding some food and it uh, seemed to do well for me. So I think the more um, anal and uh, worried you get about it, the more likely you are to get sick, though. My wife's a teacher, so I'm just doomed <laughs> for exactly the, exactly the same reasons. <laughs> well, there, there is an urban legend that when a team has a rider that has a good chance of winning the tour, they have to spend the two months before the tour away from their kids if they have kids. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, and, and quarantining definitely happens in, in pro cycling. Uh, and there is something to be said for a quarantine. I mean, you, you joked about getting a hotel room, but like, if the focus of your entire season is is a week away and your kid comes home sick, yeah, maybe that is what you have to do, right? Uh, I mean, in in the pro ranks, if a non-vital staff member is sick, they literally – they're not even allowed anywhere near the team. Uh, right. If a rider gets sick, they put them in, in a room alone immediately. I mean, and, and you know, they, they eat dinner alone. They eat breakfast alone. They sleep alone. They are completely removed from the rest of the team immediately. Uh, and that is something that you can definitely, you know, <laughs> you're not living like a pro cyclist of the Tour de France, but if, if one of your teammates is sick – Give them the solo room, things yeah. like that. And likewise, if you're sick, yeah. do do your teammates a favor. Yeah, I think that's that's great to do that in some ways, but a lot of the uh, viruses and uh, their uh, pathogenesis uh, relates to viral shedding. That's what it called. Uh, it's called when a human has something. They're kind of infectious even before symptoms develop in a lot of these things. So sometimes it's too little, too late. But uh, anyway. <laughs> I think you can still get sick from someone who's showing obvious signs of illness. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's tough to uh, account for everything that you can possibly do to do it. Someone might be looking great, and then uh, yeah, two days later, uh, yeah, they're sick, and then uh, meanwhile you got it uh, when they were looking great. So, so my final question to you: What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> what's wrong with you is you wrote Flagstaff today and tried to put out uh, 300 plus the whole way up <laughs> <laughs> while ill <laughs> so to that but that is actually what you were talking about and needing the rest a really good example because I got sick on Monday so right now it's Thursday and I actually felt like I was fighting off really well and yesterday and the day before you know, I could tell I was sick but I wasn't doing too bad and I was thinking about that j-shaped curve and the last two days i just went out and did super easy one hour rides just to get that immune system flowing but to, to, to promote the immune system today i went out did that climb up flagstaff and and literally and if you look on strava you can see this i fell over at 20 minutes yeah, yeah. and the rest of the day today i have felt awful yeah yeah I've been there before, too, where uh, you kind of, uh, with those cytokine release, uh, one of the first things you feel is just this uh, 
whole body malaise and uh, you feel achy. Uh, those are cytokines in action. And uh, you might not have spiked a fever. You might not have a cough yet. You might not be uh, having the runny nose and all those things. You know, sometimes if you catch it in time, you get a good 10 hours sleep, boom, you wake up the next day, gone. But, um, you know, many times that's not the case. Um, and sometimes, you know, some of these viral illnesses, you know, you have people coughing for uh, six weeks later, um, where even though you're over the infectious uh, kind of quality of, of the whole uh, experience, uh, yeah, you still have these symptoms that drag on. So in your case, like uh, the breathing going up, yeah, sometimes that's still affected and the uh, bronchial lining is hyper-responsive to um, irritants like uh, breathing air, high volumes really fast, or dry air, cold air, those things. So yeah, even though you're, uh, you're over the, uh, the, the infection, sometimes it lingers though. All right. So we've gone through the science of essentially the immune system and what training does to it. We've talked about the various ways not to get sick. And then we just talked about what to do if you get sick. You had one more for us, Jason. Sure. Maybe some of the listeners will uh, listen to this and uh, think about, well, what's mild to moderate exercise? Basically, it differs for, for everyone. And, um, you know, exercises that boost the immune system. Uh, in cycling, we base those on uh, threshold watts, uh, sometimes heart rate. And I think it's important if, uh, if you have questions about your training and are you training too hard, have you been sick too frequently, uh, having a coach behind you is definitely uh, a nice way to uh, to look at uh, what your capabilities are. Are you over those on uh, more days than not? And then uh, how to kind of create a schedule that uh, keeps you progressing in terms of fitness, but maybe wards off the risk for these infections to, to kind of occur. And, and the only thing I will add to that as a coach who's constantly talking with athletes that are getting sick and worried about it, don't worry about the time off. Don't worry about the rest. Your fitness won't disappear you will be back quickly and probably come back stronger. If you try to ride through it, you're going to be sick for a long time and then your fitness is in trouble. Yeah. And if you want a little bit more information on, well, how a little bit of a break can actually be beneficial, go back and check out the the, uh, the Fast Talk episode that we did with Dr. Pruitt a couple weeks ago uh, about off-season and how the off-season is very, very important. A lot of those concepts apply very, very well to getting sick in the middle of the season and how you can sort of get through that and maybe even come out the other end better off. That was another episode of Fast Talk. As always, we'd love your feedback. Email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. You can subscribe to Fast Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment. And while you're there, check out our sister podcast, The Velo News Podcast, which covers news about the week in cycling. Become a fan of Fast Talk on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magazine. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash VeloNews, Fast Talk is a co-production of VeloNews and Connor Coaching. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Dr. Glowney and Trevor Connor, I am Kaylee Fretz. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.